Hello, and welcome to Everything Remade, a podcast that I hope is about growth as much as it is about music. I'm Sean Decker, and I'd like you to hear something. You're hearing Charity by Guilt, featuring my pal Tyler Fieldhouse on guitar and vocals. The song comes from the album Ignore What's Missing, which was released last year. Give it a listen. born in Houston, Texas, but uh, I was only there for like five years. So like I, my family came to St. Augustine and then just planted there. And um, so I always just tell people like I'm from here because, you know, like it's a tourist town and tourists are always like, oh my God, are you from here? And I'm like, yeah. And then they, they tip me better. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> that works. But uh, yeah, like I'm basically from St. Augustine, Florida. Um which is the nation's oldest city. So yeah, um, my family moved here when I was five and my parents divorced when I was six and they, uh, they lived in various houses or, or like my dad had one house, but my mom moved around um, like within a couple of blocks of each other. Um, and they still do like they, uh, they just like did a really good divorce parent job of, making sure that they were both equally in my life and that I had equal access to both of them and that it wasn't like a big chore for me to go back and forth. Um, and like kids at school didn't know my parents were divorced because they would show up and do stuff together. Even um, like when my dad got like remarried um, to my stepmom, they'd been together for like 20 years. So I guess I was like eight or nine. Um, all three of them would come do stuff. And yeah, it's a uh, pretty wholesome family life as far as, uh, you know, divorce stories go. Yeah. Um, I do have siblings. Uh, my siblings are all, like the age of most people's like aunts though. Like I have, I have three sisters and um, so it's not like I was raised with them. They're like half sisters. Um, they just visited like occasionally. Um, and we, we still like talk. We, we argue on the internet, like normal family, I guess. <laughs> Um, a lot of my my like Facebook friend base just knows my my one sister who likes to argue with me the most, and they'll talk about it like an episode of a TV show. They'll just be like, "Man, like you and Tony sure we're going off about the, whatever thing Biden did recently, you know?" Because like my whole like family, all of my siblings are like various degrees of staunch to even stauncher conservatives. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm the little I'm the little baby liberal um, of the family. Um, but yeah, so, uh, basically like raised like an only child, uh, to, to make a long story short. Um, and I guess as it applies to like my, my art and music interests, um, my mom, uh, 
draws. She's she's really good at like ink work and stippling, and um, she works at the local college that I ended up going to. And my dad was writing and playing like professional like concert music. He's like a piano prodigy. He was doing that since he was like thirteen, um, and like I'm sure has made way more money than I ever will doing that kind of stuff. And then like his whole kind of like story arc is that he got really bad into drugs and then um, went off to Vietnam and then came back. And uh, I feel like that's those two things in combination are pretty like unfortunately common for like men of that generation. Mm-hmm. And uh, so like when I started deciding to be a musician, he was like, just, just don't do drugs. And I was like, good news for you, dad, I'm straight edge. And uh, still am. So uh, All right. yeah, that, I guess that part of my like parental units, they were like encouraging me to be creative. Um, but all the, like they, neither of them like work in the music industry. Like I really get disheartened when I, uh, hear about like my favorite bands and it's like oh this person's so cool and it's like yeah and their dad is a producer and their mom like works at universal and like you know right. like records and you're just like oh well obviously they were successful so that explains why i'm not that successful yeah. i maintain that i am just phenomenally talented <laughs> and uh i just my parents don't work in the right industries um, right well i mean it doesn't it doesn't hurt for sure yeah i mean yeah. um it's, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, it's funny because it's, let's say, you know, like in the 80s or whatever, and um, they were just making bands, like just putting <laughs> bands together, you know, like, and yeah. just saying, here's your product, you know? And it's like, yeah. to a degree that I think, you know, it's kind of always been the case. And now there's just like a different, slightly different way that they're still doing that to some degree you know um yeah i mean like now we're not making bands we're making individual pop stars right yeah, like yeah. my my big argument is always like billy eilish and, and a lot of people don't like when i talk about that because they're like you're just like downing on billy eilish like she's really talented i was like she is really talented but nine out of ten people i've met in diy are equally as talented as anything i've ever heard on the radio but Billie Eilish's brother is a producer and her dad works in the industry too. And it's just like, there's no way these teenagers are just so talented that they magically appear on the radio. Like it's, yeah, I, it's a product thing. And it's one of those things that like, as I get more into the industry, I'm like more and more disheartened. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, they're, they can't, they like can't fail, you know, like, yeah, of course. It, and that's, it's like, you know, um, I, this isn't really like my ideal situation or anything, you know, but like, um, if you take just like an album that I wrote or whatever, and you, and you throw like some producers that have made like successful records on the production end of it or whatever, then it's going to turn into something like whether people would have enjoyed it in the first place, you know, or yeah. not, it's going to turn into something different that like more than likely, like more people would enjoy and like for better or worse, you know, for the album's sake, but like, um, yeah, it's, I, I mean, 
they 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 can't fail. You know, like they have all the support yeah. network, they have the finances, they have the connections, and it's like, you know, when you look at someone like that, and I'm not like I I also think that Billie Eilish is is very talented. It's not, yeah, like some of it I I do like, and some of it's really not for me. You know, but like I think that they're really talented, but like it's just like I was saying, like there's so many things going on like you can't judge that just on the one person that is the you know the title performer or whatever at that point it's like you know like people are like this is genius like like 30 people worked on this you know yeah it's genius or or whatever you know like to i um i just got off my food service job and uh I used to just put on the 80s radio station, but recently my bosses have been having us listen to like today's hits or whatever. And um, this, this like XM station they have kind of loops the same maybe 20 songs for the entire day. And I get to hear the same songs and the same kind of like ad placements in between. Um, Cause they're like, Oh, there's no ads, but it's just ads for the song. It's like, hi, I'm artist and this is my song, whatever. And I, the one that like really sticks out to me is this. Uh, I don't know who it is. I don't remember, but she's like, it's a it's a clip that's supposed to sound like an interview, but it's kind of like a candid. And she was like, yeah, like I don't write music, you know, with like, is this gonna chart or is this catchy? Like I just write, you know, like what's happening, which I know is the general advice for artists and such. But uh, I was like, it's interesting that you say that, but your song has verse chorus verse chorus 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 you know it's it has this like phenomenal production on it it has these uh, like repeating vocal melodies and i'm like uh my partner is just getting into doing like dream pop and seeing their process of just kind of writing the vocal melody and then handing that to a producer and being like kind of you handle it as opposed to us you know having been in a band before where we're doing everything, I was like, wow, it really is different when there's somebody whose job is to solely make it palatable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I have some friends that, um, like, one of them I played in bands with, and then, like, they were in another band after we weren't in a band anymore. And, you know, we were just talking about this one time when they went to, uh, you know, a new band that he was in was going to... um, record an EP with someone who like you know recorded some like get up kids album or something you know and um this person was gonna good one (laughs) um I don't I don't remember you know the whole story but like um so they were talking about like how this person was going to produce them and they were like uh basically like yeah um they like we're gonna spend like a couple days like working on the um the uh vocal um melodies and like and the harmonies and you know and and this and that and and um i was i was like you don't you don't already know the way that you're gonna sing the song and right they're just like no i'm like okay <laughs> you know this is different it's interesting yeah, yeah. it's super weird yeah. i mean but you know that's um, if that's part of your process, that's part of your process. I mean, records get, can get made any kind of way. And I, uh, have made 
records lots of different ways, so I'm not like even really disparaging that. It's just no. I think those... it's just interesting for people who are in bands to see that because it's like so removed from like you know the absolute creative control that I think band people are like obsessed with. They're like. I want this to be exactly the way I hear it in my head with no a very little exterior input. Yeah. Well, I, and I mean, from my point of view, it's not even necessarily about the control as much as just like the, you know, the whole reason that I got into uh, like punk and DIY and stuff is just like, because there were, there weren't ideas about, how you should do it so you should just do it yourself yeah. and so therefore right. that's how I re- it's always just been like if i was in a band and the bass player was like show me how to play the bass part then i'd be like okay i can do that but otherwise yeah. you just show up and your friends just play what they want to play and you play what you want to play and it's just like then you have a song you know um i i will admit that is not the way any project i've ever done <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, it's not. I am definitely the mastermind of like every band I've been in. Yeah, I mean, it's. I've been in bands before where it's like people are definitely like they love playing music and they're very capable um, players, but they weren't writers, you know. So they yeah. they they'd ask for like some kind of dictation, you know, like what should I do here? What should I do here? Kind of thing. And like, you know, I mean, I enjoyed that as much as anything else. It's just like, what, well, you know, you, I just want to play the song, you know? So however we get to that yeah. point is how right, we get right, there. Right. But, um, yeah. Um, going back to what you were saying about, um, your, your dad being like a child prodigy and stuff. Um, that must mean that like, there was a lot of music like playing in the house and stuff when you were when you were a kid like um what kind of music did you grow up listening to okay so my dad is like i swear if he if he heard this he would like kick me in the head for being like not mentioning jazz and stuff that i'm sure he played but when i think of my dad and this is such a like man of his like era type thing but like his favorite band is led zeppelin yeah, you know, like he that that kind of stuff is him. Like he's really into like Creedence Clearwater Revival. He he's just like a little bit Southern flavored, like hard rock guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, in like contrast, my mom, my mom's favorite band is Nine Inch Nails, and like when I was in high school and my dad was like, Oh, you're into guitar. Like, you know, like listen to Zeppelin, um, like listen to cream, listen, you know, all the, the popular like seventies, like, you know, super famous rock bands. My mom was like, Hey, check out this system of a down record. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. it, it's, it's on the radio and I like it, you know, cause my mom is a, like, just kind of like a casual with music. Um, she's not like a music player, but she, she likes alternative rock. So I had these like, two completely warring things and like my dad like super poo poo that kind of stuff like he's always like oh why do they have to be yelling like with a lot of my songs he'll be like that's really good but why do you have to be yelling all the time yeah, <laughs> I'm, yeah. like, I'm angry <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah so like I was listening to those two different things I what they do connect on is they both really like Depeche Mode and The Cure 
So like, very fair. Just yeah, general like '80s sad pop music is a, is a big, um, just kind of general enjoyment thing for me. Yeah. Um. So how did you go from like, I mean, a lot. You know, it's kind of funny because you you know your mom's like, listen to Nine Inch Nails and System of a Down, and a lot of people have to get there from outside the like house siblings. yeah yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so you like you're already there so i um i kind of like don't know where to go from there because no okay but... <laughs> so i i found the like because like actually i was just having this conversation with my mom and she was saying she's like oh skinny jeans are out of vogue and i was like well the problem with that is that you my mom are wearing skinny jeans and teenagers don't want to be into what their parents are into so it doesn't matter if what your parents are into is cool you have to find something that they don't like and then you'll be like this is my whole identity right like whether you are because i was i was never a rebellious kid i was such a good kid like i i cannot stress to you enough how boring of an individual i am <laughs> but um i was just like all right i guess i'm gonna do my homework and like stay in and like never even think about going to parties or anything um never sneak out i'm just gonna be in my room being really quiet listening to music with my headphones but um i got into um like fallout boy that was like my first concert and both of my parents didn't like fallout boy right because my dad is like oh i don't like this big like kind of wall of sound modern production thing it's it doesn't have all the nuance of like the rock bands that i like and my mom was like oh their voices are so whiny and so it was a thing that mutually my parents disliked which means that it must become my favorite thing right that's how i was able to like be like a like a teenager that had an identity separate from my parents um and that was pretty much all i listened to like my favorite band in high school was say anything and they still would be my favorite band if if max uh would just apologize for some of the dumb things he said on the internet um and then fall boy was up there in all the fueled by ramen bands uh and that that was pretty much it for me i i exclusively listened to that i i didn't even realize like limp biscuit was cool because like you know nobody i knew was listening to it um i hung out with like two people in high school and they were the honor kids who just listened to radio casually so they were like oh dashboard confessional is good and uh then later in life, people were like, oh, like Limp Biscuit is good. I was like, really? That's like my mom's music. That's and like, your mom is cool. And I was like, oh, my mom is cool. I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I was going to say. Like when you were saying, like, you know, I didn't know Limp Biscuit was cool. And I, and I was like, because your mom liked them, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the I, only thing that was cool to me was like skinny jean mascara you know, very effeminate twink bands because neither of my parents liked that. Yeah, but the but you but your mom was into the skinny jeans part. No, no, she the... is now. Just like just like oh, anything. You have okay. to give people like you know, you have to give I feel like every decade that you are, you know, older than like a teenager, it takes that many decades for you to get into what teenagers are into right now. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I'd... like 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 grunge is in right now. Like kind of like new grunge is in with teenagers. Like we're doing like high waisted mom jeans, but they're straight leg and torn um, for the girls, and then the guys are doing the like high water cropped or cuffed pants. And if they're doing that now, then like in like 
10 years, my mom will be like, okay, I guess I'll concede and go back to getting straight leg pants. And by then the teenagers will be doing like trip pants again or something. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know I, what it's like. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't know. It, so it's like, it's funny because you're saying like how like kids have to, um, like you, you have to, whatever your parents like, and you have to find something else and that becomes your thing. And like, uh, I do have a, um, I have three kids and the oldest is 19, uh, just turned okay. 19. And, um, so I, I was waiting for that. Like my whole, right. you know, last 19 years of my life, I was waiting for that. I was like, what <laughs> is, when because, are you going to get into football kid? <laughs> well, yeah. What's going to be the thing, right? Because I, I'm pretty open-minded as far as music goes. And, uh, so what, it, what are you, you know, gonna, um, what, let me, you know, throw it on me, see what happens. Um, I don't know, but, um, that never happened. And then like over Christmas, I was like, Hey, what do you want for Christmas? Like, and, uh, he's like, I kind of want a drum set. And I had like most of two drum sets. Cause I had like a drum set <laughs> that I was like, taking no, we were all there. I know what tour. It is. And so I was like, yeah, I can do a drum set, you know? And, um, and when I took it over, uh, to him, um, cause like he, he, he moved out like right before, you know, the pandemic hit. So like, I haven't Oof. really seen him. But I did take it over there to uh, where he lives. I took the drum kit over there and we just like, you know, masks on and like hung out like in the driveway while I, <laughs> I gave him the drum set. Um, but um, and uh, and I was like, so um, he would play off and on like down in the basement, you know, while, you know, all growing up, he'd play off and on, but never like seriously. Right. So I was like, so what? what's up? Like, you want to play drums all of a sudden, you know, like, that's awesome. And he's like, he's like, yeah, I want to start a grindcore band. And I was like, oh, shit, like sick, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, but uh, yeah, I was like, you know what, I was waiting for that thing to thing to drop. Like, like, what, when is, when is this going to come out? You know, like that, uh, that, that push, like, I don't, I don't want anything to do with the things that you uh, are you know, a part of or whatever. And then he's just like, I want to start a grindcore band. And I'm like, tear rolling down my eye, you know? Yes. <laughs> uh. I, I feel like that's, like you said, being open-minded, that's the kind of killer for that situation where it's like, even if you don't like something, if you will give it a shot. And I think like, my parents are really interesting about that. And I guess that's, that's like a big part of my relationship to them is that I think like my dad, uh, I just released music for another project I'm in and he was very like, I don't like the mix. I feel like this is what you need to do with the mix. And he's like, I know you're going to say that I'm just like an old guy who like, you know, doesn't know anything, but I ended up, uh, like talking to people about it and there was there was advice in what he said that was his personal opinion like his personal taste mm -hmm. that it's like yeah that's the part that i'm gonna ignore because you know but then there's you know the part of him that's just like is a musician or just like is an artist or is a creative person that was like this is a person giving me a critique and it doesn't matter 
who it is. I really enjoy receiving critique, and I think that it takes it takes a lot of energy to give a good critique to to pay attention to something enough to actually have an opinion on it. That's not just like a gut reaction. Mm-hmm. And even though he he'll just vehemently dislike a thing I make, he will give me a critique of it, and I'm like, that's that's how you get around that situation. I think uh, like. You know, I'm sure that there's music you don't listen to, but if your kids were into it, you'd be like, that's pretty cool. Like, you know, I'll, you're not going to like, be like, that's stupid. It doesn't, like, I can't tell what the lyrics are. It's just one lyric, you know, like, you're not going to be that parent. So then you're not going to have that situation. Yeah. I mean, I, I, um, just in general, when it comes to music, you know, I'm just excited that, uh, they want to be they want it to be a part of their lives you know what i mean because it's like they they grew up and it's like all around them all the time you know so i could see how it's it's like it would have sort of like a burnout effect you know definitely so uh so any any kind of you know um yeah, I don't know. I I can't tell you like my youngest. You know, the one time when uh, he said he liked an at the drive-in song, but we, that's all we listened to for like a week. I'm like, really? <laughs> all right, here we go. Uh, playing an instrument and what was the first instrument you played um okay so my dad is a piano player right Right. that's his thing so he was always like let me teach you piano and i was like no um (laughs) because i just i don't want to be in competition with somebody really good but that's yeah (laughs) and uh so i was like i'm gonna play guitar because he can't his fingers are a little bit too big and um he's he's kind of getting to a point where he's got like less dexterity in his hands he's like you know kind of the, the early onset arthritis mm-hmm. and um so he just can't play guitar and i was like cool i'm gonna pick the thing that you can't be better than me at or really teach me about um that way just everything i do looks cool <laughs> and uh yeah i was like i was like 14 because um we had a, a brilliant instruments in the house so like my dad's dad um I didn't really know either of my grandfathers, but um, my my dad's dad was a uh, like a bass player, I think, in a like a jazz band, like pretty popular. Like just would like fly out to New York to play shows. 
Um, and we had like like mandolins and we have like trumpets and stuff in the house. And I just never touched it. And then uh, like my mom's dad played guitar in some bands. And like, I also didn't know him, but there's this like ancient acoustic Gibson here. And she was always like, you, you know, do you want it? And I was like a little kid. And I was like, I want to play with action figures. And then one day, I guess, 14 years old rolled around and it was like time to learn to play the guitar because that's that's what you do when you turn 14 i guess it's like that or go be a pokemon master so uh yeah i was just like i'm gonna play guitar and i um i took one year of it in high school like the the actual like guitar class where they teach you like like reading music stuff and theory and i retained none of it um i i was like a good student but it just like that kind of musical stuff never really clicked with me. I just sat in my room and I would go on like ultimateguitar.com and I'd pull up Death Cab for Cutie songs because they're all the same four chords. And I'd be like, all right, I know how to play this song now. And I would sing it to my like at the time girlfriend. And she'd be like, are you sure you want to be a musician? Oh, no. Um, yeah, it was rough. I, In retrospect, I do appreciate her honesty. At the time, very rough. Um, uh, the first song that I learned to play was Manchester Orchestra's uh, Wolves at Night. Uh, because being from Florida, Manchester Orchestra was a really big deal. They're from Atlanta. Um, right when I was at that age was when they were first coming around. And I saw them open for Say Anything at the House of Blues. And they were just like, the whole crowd was singing their songs. And I was like, oh, I guess I need to know who this is. I haven't seen them on MTV yet, which is how I learned about all of my music. But... I guess it's they're a big deal and as it turned out i caught them i got to see their entire career um so that was cool yeah but yeah i started at 14 and uh this is going to be a super deep cut and if manchester orchestra didn't make you go oh yeah i know them then this is gonna probably miss for you you ever heard a record called uh razia's shadow no okay so this is a band called forgive durden who has put out uh, like a pop punk concept album, um, okay. which is really cool. Like kind of anti-capitalist sentiments and very like emo. Um, and then the second record they put out is a full on musical. Like the, the book is like a playbill style. The, uh, the, each song has a featured singer who's it like so max from say anything was when one of the songs which is how i found out about it sean harris from the matches which was another big band for me has a song chris Connolly from saves the day has a song brendan yuri has a song um casey crescenzo has a song or casey might be the narrator um uh, Portugal, the man person is on there. I'd never listen to them, but people always care about who they are. Mm. Uh, but yeah, basically like every emo dude in that early two thousands, like, uh, like house of blues tier touring roster was on this album and it was a musical. And I got really, really, really into that. And I also like Andy from Manchester orchestra was doing right away. Great captain, which is this like concept acoustic folk record series about, a sailor who like murders his wife or something um so immediately at 14 i was like i've learned how to play three chords i am now going to be writing a rock opera concept record slash comic book um also like uh american idiot had just come out and uh 
Black Parade had just come out, so like rock operas were a thing. So it wasn't that weird. Yeah, but it was still, it was still kind of weird what I was doing. And, well, uh, Coheed and Cambria was a a thing. Yeah, around yeah, that yeah, time Coheed, as well. Yeah, you know? so like, exactly. Yeah, you're not. Yeah, you're not like far off base. You're you're you're, you're taking logical steps, is what I. Yeah, ex- thank yeah. you. Okay, yeah. yeah. Everyone was always like, "What do you mean you're writing a rock opera?" <laughs> and I was like, "It makes sense in my head from what I'm into." Yeah, yeah. Um, but there was like nobody alternative in my grade. Um, I don't know what happened, but I distinctly can tell you that when I turned 17, the incoming freshman class had alternative kids. Like, uh, this was the kind of like never shout never era. Like there was like, like guys walking down the hallway with like shoestring headbands, playing acoustic guitar and like wearing skinny jeans, which now existed. Right. Because when I was 14, you literally had to buy girl pants. Right. And yeah, and just something happened in those couple of years. I turned 17 and all of a sudden there's alternative kids. But like, you know, they were three years younger than me and I didn't have any classes with them. I didn't know them. Um, so I didn't have anyone to do band stuff with. I was doing it all myself. And so in the process of that, I kind of taught myself how to play all the other instruments and also record. My, my original recording setup was... Um, you know the really cheap headphones that are it's like the dollar store like it's got a microphone and then it's just like the strap that goes over your head and like one earpiece oh right right yeah so that so i had that plugged into my like uh like crummy like off-brand like windows 95 no it was a windows xp computer and i was uh using like some ten dollar like recording software and i would put the little headphone thing on top of my practice amp and that's how i would record my guitar tracks um i didn't even have like an interface or anything but that's what i spent all my time doing and then at some point something happened and i lost all of my concept art all of my lyrics all of my sheet music and all of my files and i never just tried to do that again the end Huh. It was all. It was like all on your computer. Everything, every, oh, okay. and it was also the physical copy was one thing that I had in a folder where I had all of my chord charts and all of my lyrics and my sketches, and I just lost it. I lost everything, and uh, there goes all the work that I had in high school. Because I feel like in high school, that's that's the part of the story usually where somebody's like, <clears throat> like, oh, I made friends and we started a band, right? And yeah, and I. I just didn't do either of those things, much less both of them. Yeah. Um, I was just writing music by myself. I, I didn't know that the, the local scene, like I didn't know anything about the local scene. Like, I, I don't know, you're, you seem like a cool punk rock person. And especially like with you having kids, like they clearly know about that, right? And like my, my dad obviously understood how bar gigs worked, but like neither of my parents knew about like DIY basically and all the shows that I went to were at the house of blues in Orlando. So like I was taken to my first local show when I was 24 years old. So like I started playing music when I was 14 and then I just didn't know anything about anything cause I didn't really have any friends mm-hmm. until I was 24. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's just a huge part of this story where the years are kind of wasted. It's, I mean, you know, you, it's it's really weird. It's because you would think that 
there's overlap, you know, but there's just like not sometimes. There's like, not. And, yeah. and it's, and you know, to go back on what you're saying, like it, I was in a band that went that go, went on tour nationally, like often, like once or twice a year. Like I mean, I'm still in this band, but um, right. and I did not know about these people that were throwing house shows literally five blocks from my house for like two yeah. years or something you know yeah. and i and you know one of my pals like uh we, we were having a chat on the podcast um and my my buddy sam from the band short fictions and sam was like yeah and then we played at this house in lafayette and we got stuck in lafayette and i'm like lafayette indiana and they're and you know and, and sam's like yeah um this place called uh uh, what they call it like the alien ant farm or something like that and i was like you gotta be fucking kidding me like i just found out that 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 this place was doing shows and <sighs> um you know i've i've lived here forever i've lived here since like the locust played in my basement and shit like that you know like wow since, since like you know 98 or whatever and um i didn't know about that even though you know my band was on tour at DIY spots in California that year. So it's just like, it's so weird sometimes, like you can, yeah. you can just miss it, you know, for whatever reason. And um, Well, Florida is a unique beast too, because uh, we we don't have basements, right? Right. So, so shows, DIY is kind of interconnected to bar culture. And even when I was like 24, right? My, uh, my ex or, are we dating at the time? I don't know. Whatever person I knew was like, um, hey, come come see this. Like my friend's band is playing um, at a at a bar. Or, or she was just like, come to the bar. And I was like, I don't drink. Why would I go to a bar? And she's like, there's music. And I was like, but I don't want to go to a bar. And she's like, don't do bar stuff. Just go to the music part. And I was like, you can do that. You can just go somewhere and not like you know it's like the mentality of like it, like bathrooms are for customers only i was like you can just go to the bar and not drink like you're allowed yeah and uh like because I, I don't know i my dad was a bartender at some point when i was little and i didn't go in the bar lot because i have asthma and this was in the 90s when you could still smoke inside mm -hmm. but i like I, when i my thought of the bar was like you know the the irish pub he was working at it was just like there's a there's the bar there's a dartboard, there's a pool table, and you just stand in the smoke. And so, you know, this idea of like there's there's music playing and it's not a guy doing Jimmy Buffett covers. Like, are you sure it's not Jimmy Buffett covers? And they're like, <laughs> no, it's not that kind of bar. And I was like, I don't understand. There's kinds of bars. And she's like, just go, idiot. And I went. And I was like, oh, I've been wasting a lot of time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's wild. Like, I actually um, kind of grew up in Florida and I grew up around um, Fort Myers. I grew up in actually in Port Charlotte, and uh, okay, you have warehouse shows. Yeah, we yeah we had like warehouse, and yeah. we had like somebody with a backyard in the middle of nowhere. You know, kind of those are and, those are definitely I feel like a central and down Florida thing. Like you'd think because the problem in North Florida is that it's so spaced out, right? But that means there's more backyards. But those types of shows. 
just do not happen here. They happen yeah. from like like Orlando Winter Park area down. Mm-hmm. I just I don't know what it is about North Florida, but it's just like nothing unless it's a bar. Yeah, houses just don't last outside of like Gainesville. Yeah, maybe it's something to do with like the tourism. It, like maybe it's they they're harder on the noise ordinance aspects, or you know, I don't know. Oh, that's definitely that's definitely a thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess also just just demographics. Like you know, Saint Augustine um, is, uh, I think, if I remember the data correctly, forty percent of the people who are here at any given time are tourists. Like not that many people actually live here, right? Um, and a lot of the people who do are adults. So there's not that many young people. And if you can assume that in any given group of like high school kids, maybe ten percent of them are going to be alternative. So the, the you know the chance of having a scene with thirty kids maximum, where it's like usually it's like you know of the alternative kids, maybe thirty of them will show up to a show. Yeah, but this is like there's 30 alternative kids, and if not everybody comes, you, know, <laughs> you don't have much. There's to show. Yeah, yeah. So just make sure they're all. Each person is in a band, and they come to the show. Yeah, that's how it is, right? <laughs> yeah, um, Jacksonville is much more robust. Jacksonville has like a scene, which is why as soon as Guilt started, we were like, we are going to play in Jacksonville. And I do remember having a little bit of like a like an emotional dilemma because one of my friends who books here was like man i really hate that anytime a band from here does anything they immediately just start going to jacksonville all the time and it's like the scene here is struggling and i wish people would bring shows here and i was like yeah doesn't it suck how that thing that i'm doing is still going to be the <laughs> thing that i'm doing though like because i i don't want to be like every like cool punk rock dude in this town you know all all five of them that are left standing are like in their 40s and up and they're super cool and they'll still play shows and stuff, but it's like, they're never going to have a career and I really want a career. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's like one of those things. And like, if, if you are trying to do shows where you are, because you're like, I want to build something here, but there's somewhere within an hour or however, you know, um, far yeah. it is that, it's automatically going to do better Then it's like, as much as you want something, I personally, this is from experience, you know, um, like it, it just feels like you have a responsibility just to the other people that you would ask to play to just do the better show, you know? So it's yeah. like, yeah, that's unfortunate. And it would be cool to say like, you know, be in that situation where you were like, Oh, things just like weren't happening here and we built this up from whatever and now it's like awesome here like that's like the pipe dream right but like in the meantime like bands that are coming through you need to show them a good time you know and you need to like do the best that you can you know for them at that moment so like trying to be like you know uh well we'd really rather do it here because we're trying to do something cool eventually doesn't sound that promising you know um but yeah so here's here's the rock and a hard place i was stuck between at the at, at the time at least because like so i went to my first show at 24 right and then i immediately was like i get how this works i just wasn't a part of it 
and I immediately became one of like three bookers in my town. And anytime an emo band came to town, it was like my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so my town has two DIY venues and they're both free as in like, they don't, you know, charge whatever. Yeah. They just say like, Hey, just literally walk in. I know both of the owners. I could just walk behind the counter <laughs> and just like write my name on the calendar. And, um, like you know run your own door charge what you want just make sure you id people like wink wink nudge nudge and uh honestly probably more people got id'd at my shows than just normal days yeah but um uh so there was that and because my town is so small what scene there is is very used to like mixed genre bills so people will just show up for shows because it's just like oh there's a show happening i guess i'll go um, or at least, you know, some, some people are like a decent amount of, of, of the scene. I, I will not personally just go to a show. I mean, like if one of my friends asks, but like, if they're like, Hey, like, like a jazz and a reggae band are going to play, I'm, I'm not going to go see that unless, you know, somebody knows playing, but most people in my town will, because they're, they're much better people than I am. And then, uh, Jacksonville the venues there's more venues but pretty much each venue costs somewhere between 150 and 200 dollars a night to rent the venue and then there's more bands and there's more people who will come out but at the end of the day i'm paying touring bands pretty much the same amount of money if not more in my town and that's what i used to tell them they'd, they'd be asking me about booking and i'd be like well if you come to st augustine I can get you somewhere, at, you know, like 70, comfortably I can say 70 bucks, you know, it'll be somewhere from like 50 to 100 usually. Um, but you're not going to sell any merch and you're not going to get any more fans. This is just a town that you played in and you, and you covered more than the gas you needed. Um, or you can go to Jacksonville and I can pay you $10 from the door because the rest of it went to renting the venue. But maybe you'll sell like three shirts and then people will actually listen to you on Spotify. So choose yeah. what you want. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's really like that. Like in, in a lot of places, like, you know, you, you will just like show up and it, and it's just, people are like, we've, you know, we've played with really cool bands. Like when we've played in Baton Rouge um, and uh, I have like some, you know, good friends there. And so that's why we always want to, want to be there and yeah. stuff but the place that we've played uh it's similar it's just like there are people there that are kind of always there and um they don't really like you maybe will get some like some some polite applause and whatnot and then it's just kind of like that's it you know and um yeah so yeah the other the other situation that you talk about where people are engaging with you and and there's general um genuine interest rather and maybe even like follow-up communication because people are like that you know like oh i saw you all at at this show and you're like yeah that was awesome i was too nervous to say hi yeah yeah so (laughs) yeah it's that's that's very um it's you know you have your uh it's like one of those uh, cho- pick your path uh, youth novels. Yeah, definitely, you know? definitely. Like choose your own adventure. <laughs> yeah, yeah for I mean, sure. I, I, I always like, so, like we always did our own booking. Like, like all of my bands, I've either I did the booking or I did an equal amount of booking as my bandmates, depending on what band we're talking about. But um, uh, 
I really appreciate when people are upfront with me about that kind of stuff because I can, you know, you can look at the map and be like, well, this is a short drive, so I'm willing to take a chance on less door money if it's more engagement or you're like, oh, this is the only town we're going to in this state. I really just need to make sure I'm covering my gas. Yeah. Yeah. So you said that you you were um, 24 when you went to your first show, and then yeah. you you know you've you've talked about um, being in other bands before Guilt and everything, but I feel like yeah. gu- Guilt is uh, is a uh, I, I want to get into that like a little deeper. So um, yeah, okay. We'll just I just start... wait to see what kind of adjective you're going <laughs> to yeah. use. Like, I feel like guilt is a uh, big mistake you're making. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's no, it's just like, I seriously, I have like a whole uh, page of notes and I never, Oh my God. Have like, I was just notes. talking about myself. That, so, I'm sorry. Um, no, no, it's not like that. It's just like, like, I'm like, I want to get into this because I find yeah. You asked me about my childhood. I'm just rambling. No, no. This this is the way this goes. But um, <laughs> no. I just find like a lot of this really interesting, and not just because like I really enjoyed your last record and stuff, but I like I went back, and I was like, like I I found the approach to releases and and everything really interesting, and some of the you know I just had a bunch of questions and stuff I'd like to talk about. So, um, so yeah, hit me with it. So basically from if you're just going off of Bandcamp, it looks like y'all have been around since about 2017 because that's when the first release was put yeah on. we're like somewhere in the four-year-old ballpark okay. as far as the, the project goes there's been a million kind of iterations of the band members and stuff okay yeah because the, the now this is now this is one thing that i found like super interesting first off is the first release on the band camp or rather the oldest release on the band camp is flowers flowers and it's an acoustic song so like march uh-huh. of 2017 you're like fuck it i'm putting up this acoustic song um what were you a full band at that point uh, uh what was the like no. i'm gonna put up this acoustic song and go from there like what was okay so the way my first band worked was I wrote a whole record because remember, like I said, I didn't have any friends and yeah. I taught myself how to play everything. So I wrote a whole record and I was like, this is a good way to get bandmates is I can just show them the record and be like, do you like this band? Would you like to be in it? I mean, Armor for Sleep. <laughs> that's how the band Armor for Sleep happened. Yeah. yeah I, so I know that it's like, it, it's, it is again, a thing. I know that these yeah. things are kind of normalish, but it's like around here. It's just like, it's just weird the way I go about for things. Sure, for um, sure. But yeah, so... I was in another band and they were, uh, they, they sound like balanced composure. And I was like, I really like balanced composure at this time. And I was like, they started writing some like Jack white sounding songs. I was like, Hey, I don't want to do, be in a Jack white band. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, well, this is what we're doing. And I was like, I wrote some songs. Would you like to hear them? And they were like, no, we don't like this. And I was like, I'm going to go start my own band then. So that's guilt. And, okay. uh, so I had this pile of songs and I was like, okay, I'm going to learn my lesson from last time because I have a little bit of a problem with control. And I was like, I'm going to not actually make the record myself. I'm going to have this pile of songs and I'm going to collect musicians because now at this point in my life, I'm like 26-ish and I've been in, in DIY for two years really aggressively. 
And so like, I know people and I was like, I'm going to collect musicians who are better than me so that when we really make this record, it'll be really good. Um, so I released flowers as an acoustic thing and I had a Google drive that had maybe five of the ignore what's missing songs. And then like two of the songs that were on the first EP we put out and I would show it to people and be like, do you like this? Do you want to be in this band? Um, and that's at least how I got my first couple bandmates. Okay. But yeah. Flowers was just me. There was no band. Okay. So, you, so basically you, that was like your, um, your, your like audition. sales pitch. Yeah. Your sales pitch. That's what I was getting. I was like your audition for your own band. That doesn't sound right. Your sales pitch. Yeah, yeah. And then you, you know, you said your first EP, that was the currency EP and uh-huh. that was released in November. So from March until November, you were like just getting the folks together that would play on that EP and sort of like learning the songs that exactly you were yeah okay well that didn't um that didn't take too long and you were <laughs> like you know you're putting out an ep um uh, i had people in mind but i didn't it's like i if i can't show them stuff then i can't just ask them to be in a band because then they're going to be like yeah let me give you my creative input and at that point i was like the one thing i didn't want was anybody else's creative input um because again, the, the the guilt story is the story of somebody with like obsessive control issues slowly letting go. And that's that's like where I am now with not even being the lead singer anymore. Like that's the full kind of like it's come full cycle. I'm not even the front of the band. Um, but at that time, I was like, I gotta have the songs written, but be like, yeah, you can throw a drum fill in. interesting like how how you know playing with different people like influences your not just like your take on 
the songs that you've written necessarily, but like just on how you you even want to write songs, you know, like kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier, how it's like, yeah, I have just been in bands where it's like, no, play this, you know, like because it's like um, somebody's like, I don't know what to do there, you know, like tell me what to do there or whatever. And um, and then, you know, like now I play with people and and uh, sometimes like I might get something back from them and I have to just I I like I might I might not initially even get it like I'm like that's not what I imagined you know like and I don't I kind of don't get it but it's weird like in the end I'm always like that was like the right move though like it's I don't know and Oh, I, I'm, I was definitely not there at that point. Like I'm, so I guess imagine me as like a conductor. Mm-hmm. So we'd have band practice. Um, like I knew Jeremy who drummed on that record and also recorded it. I knew Jeremy from like a show we had played where uh, he was in another band, like every drummer, he was in like 600 bands. <laughs> and then uh, I knew uh, Tristan, uh, whose name is now Tilly, uh, from another band and, Tilly lived three hours away and also was 17 years old and uh, would like come up on a Greyhound bus for band practice. And basically we'd work on the songs as I had them written. And then we'd kind of isolate a certain thing. I, you know, I'd like talk to Jeremy and be like, okay, so this drum part here, I really want you to do kind of something like this. And I, I have a whole Spotify playlist and then, Jeremy would do the, like you know do whatever and then I'd do like the the very awkward mouth drumming like oh I see you doing like ding ting but could you go like bing ding ding and they'd be like oh yeah 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 bing ding ting 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 and like no 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 and then we just keep doing that um but I'd pinpoint each one and then it's like okay we're going to talk about guitars now um because if I left them to their own devices Jeremy would be like so I've been listening to Gojira a lot and I'd be like we are not pulling influences from like <laughs> Gojira. Like he'd be like, well, I've been listening to a lot of like, I don't know, um, Code Orange. And I'd be like, we're not, he's like, but could, could we be, could we draw those influences? And I was like, no, <laughs> firm, firm no. Um, which is kind of the opposite of the beautiful picture you were painting of you and your bandmates. Well, I was just like a strict taskmaster. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, it's. I mean, of course, with my idol being Max Bemis, you know, and like my mom showing me Trent Reznor, that's how I was like, that's what it is. Yeah, you know, one there's, person. There's, with the, the... there's the guy with the vision, and then there's right. the talent. And like, I will admit, Jeremy's a better drummer than me. So when I'm saying like, do something like this, it's not because I know drums. It's because when I can see, when I can put a person who's really special and talented in the room and they start playing, I can hear it in my head like a composer. And it's it's just like that scene at the end of Amadeus where he's just like telling Salieri the, the, the notes and Salieri's just like angry that he can hear it. I can hear stuff in my head like that, but I can't do it by myself. Right. But you just, you said before that you were learning to let that go. Is that just- Oh, absolutely. Not things. at that time I wasn't though. Yeah. And that's just been a gradual, like thing it's been a really slow process yeah yeah 
And is that, it, do you feel like that was like, do you feel like this is something that you've always wanted, wanted to gravitate towards? Or is it like you, like, is this a self-conscious effort or are yes. your band members also being like, Hey, we would kind of like appreciate a yeah. little more, you know, um, input a little less like instruction or whatever, <laughs> or what have you yeah. like, but it was also like, you sound like you're pleased that, that, you know, you're able to loosen the reins or however you want to put it well, like, at this point. I'm, I'm proud of myself at a certain point, everybody has to go to therapy. Right. And I, I went to therapy. Um, I had been to the therapist a lot to take a bunch of my friends because I just gravitate to people with mental health issues. I don't know. It's, it's my thing. And um, I sat in on couples therapy stuff or therapy with the people I was dating who would have issues that I would have to account to the therapist because, you know, they would have memory loss or whatever, blah, 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 blah. So anyhow, the therapist knew me really well, but finally I went for myself and I told the therapist, I was like, I think I have obsessive compulsive personality disorder. And here's the dossier I made about that. And here's all my examples. And here's why I think it happened. And here's what I'm doing about it. And here's my coping mechanisms. And she was like, this, this whole interaction is just the poster child for obsessive compulsive personality. Like, yeah, you got it. Nail on the head, gold star. And uh, I guess after realizing that, I was like, okay, this is a thing that I... I'm going to, I'm going to be this way. Like I have this thought disorder, like where I'm just like, things are black and white things need to, there's a right and wrong. There's like good and bad. There's, you know, effective and ineffective. And I feel like I need to do all this work because if I don't, then things aren't going to work out. And being able to let go of creative projects is kind of the biggest prove to myself, I guess, that I'm, I, I'm now choosing what I want to put my energy into as opposed to feeling compelled. So that's, I think that's why I'm pleased about it. Um, obviously, there's, I think, the part, the little animal part of everybody's brain that's like, no, this is my project. Like, it's my art. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, I, I also, like, uh, this isn't... Uh, necessarily like to be d defamatory but in my first band i did everything right i i did all the booking for our local shows and i booked our tour stuff i learned about the genre i learned about you know the stuff that was like the influences for the writing like they didn't even really listen to similar music they just were talented musicians mm. and i had to deal with a lot of like them being like, I do want creative input and me being like, okay, what do you want to do? And they'd be suggesting things, like I said, kind of jokingly, where they'd be like, just totally different outside, you know, whatever. And I was like, regardless, that's another band, yeah, you know, whether or not I, I want to do that, like it's, and I, I felt like they, they didn't understand how seriously I was taking the project to where it was like, they'd suggest cover songs. And I'd be like, do you understand that the function of a cover song and a DIY show is to get the audience to sing along and also to kind of like prepare them or relate. It's kind of like creating like a mixtape for somebody like you, you want to be connected to the artists that you're covering. So why would I cover a song that nobody in the audience is going to know? And these are the kind of discussions we'd be having where they were not thinking of it as a, 
like the business end. They were just like, I'm a musician and I want to play music that I like. And I, so because of that, I was very precious with everything we were doing because I was like running, you know, the business. I was running the, the project, not just being a musician. And then when I got into guilt, I was still carrying a lot of those ideas over. And a lot of the people I was working with just weren't in that headspace where I'd be like, can you send some booking emails? And then be like, I don't know how to do that. And I was like, well, I don't know how to do anything either, but I'm making it up as I go because somebody has to do it, right? Like somebody has to book, the, send the emails or we're never going to get shows. Yeah. And uh, I, I think as, I, as I've gotten older and the Guilt Project has gotten older, the people who are involved in it right now are the people who have ended up being like either – I'm willing to do this or I'm willing to learn how to do this. You know, like I don't even touch the social media anymore. Um, Tilly and Ash completely run that independent of me. And so because I trust them with that, I also trust them to be like, Hey, you know, these are bands that we should emulate because these are bands that are popular. This is stuff that's going on in the genre. And, and therefore I'm more open with the music, I guess it, it kind of all goes together for me. Because I, I guess I was just never like a great musician who was just like, I like being a musician. I was like person working on project. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if any of that made sense. No, no, it does. I mean, but it, but it's, um, I mean, it sounds like really good though. I mean, you don't have to do everything yourself and you can let like your faith in other people like come through and um, you can like let it like diversify what I already f felt like, you know, just based on your, you know, on your album from last year was a pretty diverse uh, sound as it was. But um, like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Too I, mean, diverse. I was I was trying to uh, I was trying to, you know, describe it because we we if one of my friends and I we were do. Well, we did a few a few episodes that were like best of or whatever, and um, I was trying to talk about the guilt record, and I was like, "Well, you can tell they're from Florida," and I didn't know how. Oh, interesting. I didn't know like how to you know how to um, how to how to put that, but I was like, "Yeah, some of it is a bit like this or whatever." But if, if they were from Florida, you know, um, but uh, yeah, because it just a lot of it reminded me of stuff that um i would have you know um heard when i was you know coming up uh when i was y younger and stuff when i was in high school um you know at the turn of the century or whatever um <laughs> but uh yeah it sounds i sound so much old and i am old but i sound so much older when i say it that way i shouldn't have no exactly yeah i was edit that uh... out um, no, I try, I'm the only millennial in my band. Everyone else is Gen Z. Yeah. yeah. That's why my Instagram is, wow, I'm so old. It's just like all the spaces <laughs> that I occupy as an artist is just like a constant reminder that I was alive in the 1900s, Yeah. which sounds, that's the way you have to say it to really drive in how old you are. You're like, wow, you were alive in the 1900s. Yeah. What? What was that? Like? <laughs> yeah. Um, at dinner, at dinner recently, uh, my 11 year old said, um, did they have cars when you were a kid? <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> and uh, yeah. he said, he said, um, he said, no, did they? 
yeah, yeah. There's been cars since like the 1920s. You know, <laughs> I'm not that old. Yeah, you know, you were not you were around close. in the century, yeah. the same century as cars. Yeah. You know? And so, uh, so we went on. You a were there bit. when the internet started. I was that. That's true. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, I remember the. Um, this is definitely dating myself, but I remember the first person I knew with an email address, and I was like, "Oh, I want one of those." Yeah, <laughs> and it was like, yeah. well, you have to like, you know, you have to like be at, be at at a college or something to get one for for now, and I'm like, oh, I want one of those, but anyway, um, yeah, later <laughs> later that same dinner, I said, hey, uh, I said to my 11 year old, I said, hey, so, um, what do you think, what do you think happened first? Did we have space shuttles or did we have cars and he was like space shuttles so there you go so uh, wow. i'm just saying you don't even know whether there was space shuttles or cars first so i don't feel that bad about the fact that you uh yeah d that you think i'm so old the there weren't even yeah no i was born in 1890 <laughs> <laughs> there were no cars well, the first time I ever saw a car, that was a special day. Um, <laughs> wow. But, it, yeah, I digress. Um, before we were uh, chatting and trying to set this up, you were saying that um, now on the next record and moving forward that Ash was now going to be the vocalist. Now, Ash was the drummer before. Yes. Um, yes. And then... There's there's a single on your band camp called Black and Blue where Ash does the yep. vocals and Ash was yep. not credited with drums. So yeah. My question about that is twofold. So is Ash no longer drumming and just doing vocals and what now were the drums on that particular song were they programmed or just um yeah um Okay. okay. So uh, we were on this tour where we were on this really long tour and uh, Ash tore a ligament in their shoulder. And th this tour was like several months. So it's not like we were like, oh, we're almost at the end of it or something. You know, it was just like kind of smack in the middle. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was like, well, I can drum, but can you sing? And I immediately started drumming and singing. And Ash would sit out. I think Ash sat out like two shows. And then I was like, can you sing? And then Ash is like, yeah. And then they started doing it. And I was like, what the hell? Why, why have you been hiding this from everybody? <laughs> um, yeah. And I, uh, I have a lot of opinions about Ignore What's Missing, the album. Um, negative opinions. But the, uh, the one of the, the biggest things that I was struggling with when we were doing that. It was like, I'm going to say this, and if you want to bleep the name out, I would appreciate it or whatever. <laughs> but like, we sound like brand new, right? Um, I have the low, talky, kind of like sad, like Jesse Lacey voice, but I don't have an upper register scream. And I wanted to be writing these songs, and I. I didn't know how to tackle that. And then I heard drug church and I was like, Whoa, you can have this kind of like raspy old man voice and 
and and it's an alternative to those upper register screams. So that's how all of our like kind of hardcorey songs. That's how that voice came around. Okay. Um, but Ash has an upper register scream, and Ash's upper register scream transfers fluidly to their kind of like law dispute talky type sad voice and also to their singing voice like uh, black and blue was kind of the the test subject for that because we were that was like a charity thing um it was for like an lgbt and poc specific uh uh jail fund thing Mm -hmm. that was happening right when all the george floyd stuff was happening and i was like i will i have opinions on this but I'm not going to be the person to like, you know, everyone in the band is queer, but like Ash is the only one who's black. Like I'm, I'm like Asian, but like, it's not like I faced a lot of personal discrimination and that also wasn't a topic at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Nico is a uh, Hispanic also, you know, white passing and is very kind of like specific about when they feel comfortable talking about that because of, you know, being white passing and so we were like, I mean, this has got to be Ash. So Ash and I worked on it together. And in the process of doing that, I was like, you, one of my big critiques of Ignore What's Missing is that I feel like, and, and I, oh my God, I read this review uh, from some blogger in Germany about it, just random. And they were like saying how Tilly's voice sounded on the record. And I was like, Tilly isn't on the record. But my voice between my kind of pop punk voice and my like, raspy like drug church hardcore voice and my jesse lacy voice i guess are so disparate that people just assumed it was different people and i was like that's a problem if your lead singer doesn't have kind of a distinguishable voice even if you know you're they're trying different styles and i was like i just that's that's a thing that i don't have um and ash is just immaculate at at, it's like wow a person with range (laughs) yeah now, see, that's that's wild that you took that as a as a negative because, like, I would love to be able to f- fool, to put one over. <laughs> on like, I feel like yeah. no matter what I do, people are just like, oh, they always, yeah, they always sound like. Oh, well, that's Sean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm like, um, but um, yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's really cool, and I mean that song, it's a great song. Um, I I mean I also like the uh, LP and I didn't like I don't know if I thought about it that much like that like whether like I think I did naturally assume that more than one person was singing but um I didn't like no it's me it's me and Nico (laughs) but um yeah it's it's um like I I don't know I think that's really cool I I remember when I was you know younger I I would listen to bands and I would think that like the person that was screaming couldn't have been the person that was singing as well. Cause you just don't do that, you know, or whatever. But that's like yeah. something that a lot of people do now. But, um, but yeah. Um, I think the only band that really surprised me with that was like system of a down. Like I, I did not imagine that was Serge doing the like, like the, like the suck in thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, it's not that I guess I took it as a flat negative just because I have a personal thing with that, but it's because I, you know, I, I, I've again viewed the band as like, like a 
project that I want to be successful. And I, when I'm kind of tearing myself down and, and really thinking about, you know, what could I do to make it more palatable? Not like, you know, how do I turn it into a pop song? But like, you know, how do you write good alternative music and also run a good band campaign, DIY? Like, what would a manager have us do? I really got back to thinking about Say Anything again. And uh, every time I say Say Anything, you're just going to have to bleep it out. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, um, you know, you uh, you said you were like, oh, that's why I don't listen to um, or, or whatever. Yeah. And I, I, like, yeah. I I've actually don't know if I've ever listened to them, but I was reading this guy's comics and I don't anymore because i was like oh. yeah um yeah and uh well it, it did you like uh, the comic uh polarity oh i didn't read that one i was just oh. i was just reading like whatever like moon knight or whatever moon knight yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i was um, like and i started like i don't yeah i don't know not to make this about that person but i started like seeing like the shitty attitude like in the writing and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. no. Um, well, he, he, it's kind of, I, I feel the same way about um, Max that I do about Kanye, where it's like, this is a person with really aggressive, like mental health issues, like bipolar stuff, manic episodes that really cause them to do and say things that are inappropriate. And I think if, like, you know, obviously working in mental health advocacy groups a lot, like and spaces with just people who have mental health stuff uh it's not a problem as long as you just go like hey i was having a thing you know i'm sorry and, and instead like i i love the cynicism you know of of max's writing but the situation where he was like saying some stuff that was transphobic and it was like he didn't realize it but when he got told it he did the I'm an old dude who's been in the scene for a long time. I've put in a bunch of good boy tokens, so you can't say anything to me. And I'm like, you know, that's everybody's gut reaction. But, you know, I wish he would just come back, you know, even now. If he just came back now and was like, hey, it's been like two years, and I realized I was just kind of being a jackass. Like, that'd be fine. Like, I'm not, I don't know. I, but he won't. And I feel like Kanye is going to be the same way where I'm like, come on, dude, just apologize. Everybody knows you've got problems. Yeah. But, uh, Kanye, if you're listening, <laughs> Kanye, just... please, please, baby, apologize. And also <laughs> go to go, go talk to your therapist. You don't seem like you're having a good time. But, um, so I, I went back to listening to say anything and just for, for anyone who's never listened to them, um, they, they firmly do not have a genre. Like, you know, the, the records might fall under an umbrellas like emo or something. And I, I trust, I hate when people are like, this band doesn't have a genre. Like my band can't be put in a box. Like, fuck you. Every band can be put in a box, but uh, really it's just like, it's kind of got some theatrics, you know, like you would expect from like 2000s emo, like, like deer hunter stuff, but it's more guitar kind of classic guitar rock band oriented there's a couple of pop things mixed in and i was like you know how is this artist writing so many genre disjointed songs but it sounds like every time you hear it you're like oh that's say anything and i was like oh duh it's his voice every time he's doing anything it's like 
yelling, talking, singing. It's you can just tell. I think I, I had this big epiphany where I was like, oh my god, same thing with like the Chili Peppers. Like I know that their music is kind of one dimensional usually, but sometimes they throw out weird stuff. But the minute it, Anthony Kiedis comes on, you're like, oh, that's Anthony Kiedis. True. And so you know, thinking about guilt as a brand, kind of moving forward, if if you can't listen to my vocals and go like, oh, that's Tyler, you know, that's why I took it as a negative because then, how are people going to remember? You know, unless you just particularly like that song, you're I don't I don't stand out, you know, as like a, this is always Tyler's voice, and I think that. I see why you would want to get away from it. I see why you want a chameleon, especially if you're in different projects. But like, I think having a memorable vocal aesthetic is probably the most important part of a band. And that was my conversation with Tyler Fieldhouse. Thank you so much, Tyler, for taking the time to chat with me. And thanks to the rest of you for listening along. Until next time, take care and do good things. <laughs>